Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, citizens of Earth. Once again to the CHGO Sky Podcast is always presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. We are happy to have you with us. You could have been anywhere in the world this afternoon, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. This is the CHGO Sky Show coming off an explosive, explosive weekend of basketball, and I am joined today by Mr. X's and O's, the greatest mind in basketball analysis, Stephen Garner at StateTrueS.3, and the young gun, the young bull, doing things as they should be done, Mike Hughes, the shy kid. Mike, thanks for coming on to the show. We appreciate you both for being in here today. Uh, thanks for having me again, man. Let's work. Man, always a blessing. I get to see Steven again. Just saw him the other day. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on for real. For sure, man. I want to take a moment just to shout out the shirt that I'm wearing. This Windy City Rollers garb right here. My roller derby team went up to Montreal this weekend. And it was my first time in Canada. And it was amazing. It was an amazing shout out to Montreal Roller Derby, uh, the new the new skits on the blacklist expos. We had a great game. My team, second win that I coached, we won our game 154, 144, and the All Stars put in work as well. But it was it was cool being up there. I love that team, so I had to I had to put a shout out for them as always. Support women's sports in any form, fashion, or shape they may take. Now, gentlemen, let's get into it. This home and home with the Liberty has so many storylines one of the two quote unquote super teams of this year, a home and home series with the sky, Courtney Vandersloot coming back to Wintrust arena for the first time in a visitor's uniform. And neither of these games disappointed. Um, I wasn't able to be there Friday night. Uh, Steven, I, I, I know you were there, Mike, were you there on Friday as well? I was actually, I was sitting right with Steven the whole game. <laughs> so y'all, y'all got to tell me before we even get into like the game. What was it like just having like what was the reaction to seeing Courtney for the first time back, back home? You know, is is what we would call back home. Well, I was kind of speaking on the pregame, and I saw a lot of Sloot's Gonzaga jerseys, uh, a lot of just general Courtney Vandersloot paraphernalia uh, around the arena, and it was beautiful to see. Especially, I got there relatively early. And there were a lot of her fans specifically that were there um, pretty much as soon as they allowed her fans to get into the arena. So that was fun to see. And then obviously anytime she made something happen, there was a little bit more extra from the crowd in terms of cheering for an opposing team. And in addition to all of that, um, Ali Quigley and I think most likely Courtney Vandersloot's family that was in town was sitting in a similar area to where I was as well. So I got to see a bunch of young fans, young ladies that – either like basketball or aware of Ellie Quigley or both. Um, just kind of going up to her during timeouts um, at halftime and just going up to her, taking pictures, asking for autographs, having conversations, all of that fun stuff. And she was, um, as always, extremely open to it and um, extremely ingratiating. Um, 
you know, speaking to young ladies and even some adults that, that decided to stop by and say hi. So it was it was fun to see for sure. For sure, man. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a blast, Chris. I mean, I, I wish you would have been there. It would have been our first time meeting in person. Um, but I know you had a mission to take care of out in Montreal. So it's <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. But no, it really and I was telling Steven about this, man, when we were at the game, it really just felt like a sky version of every time Derrick Rose comes back to the United Center. Like this oh. is her home. This is the town she built. Mm-hmm. This is the franchise that her, Elena Deladon, and so many others built. Um, and it was just beautiful to see that and to see Allie there as well. Uh, it, it shed a tear because I, I miss seeing Allie on the court, but I definitely understand her wanting to take this season off uh, just for her and to figure out some things. But it, it's always great when you see Sloot in the building. Taylor Swift ruined my pregame interview with Courtney Vandersloot. I was a little late, pulled up exactly at five. So, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to her pregame, um, but hopefully next go around, we can definitely talk to her. But it, it was just an electrifying feeling, you know, you know, this is the house she built and, you know, to be where she is right now, I couldn't be happier for her. And like, like James Wade said in the pregame, when asked about the impact of that, who? (laughs) (laughs) James Wade said he don't know Taylor Swift. He said he don't know who she is. (laughs) I know he's lying though. I know he's banging bad blood every time on his way home, driving home. Low key. I know he does. He's got to be lying. James Wade, that is that might be his his alarm clock music on the low, man. I, you know, it's funny. Taylor Taylor came to Chicago. The, the word came around. She had a, she had that Chicago summer three days, and then broke up with her boy. So man. she might know who the Chicago Sky are. Man, and totally totally off topic, but there were rumors going around. She's with Austin Reeves right now. So I do want to say shout out to AR fifteen because. He didn't get a ring this year, but he might give a ring. So I'm really – I'm excited for it, Steven. We're going to get that Austin Reeves album coming next summer. I'm telling you. Listen, leave me out of all of that. I want no parts. <laughs> <laughs> no parts. Who, who – I got to – before we get into this show, I got to ask, who would be the one person on this year's Laker team that would be on a Taylor Swift feature? I would say A.D., for for no reason i i just feel like ad like he he's just got that fun energy to him i feel like he he could he could definitely bop that that would be a lebron move in my opinion mm. he already I was been, that too. he's been dipping his big toe in the music industry executive producing all of that fun stuff so i could see him doing that <laughs> well like we said man it was a blockbuster weekend um want to formally introduce Mike Hughes, host of the Mike on the Mike podcast, the vice president of All Sports, All Plays Network, host of the Skytown Show. Uh, check him out on YouTube. Has some great, great, great interviews. Interviewed Morgan Birch uh, before she came on with the team, and that was a fantastic insight into her her uh, life as a basketball player and a basketball family. And, I mean, as good as well as Morgan's done, I don't know, it's like – just getting that background, I still don't know if we expected what we've gotten so far from mm-hmm. Morgan Birch, but it's just great to get that insight. And just the rapport you have with the, with the people you bring on, whether it's players, whether it's broadcasters like your Len Casper interview, it's been fantastic, Mike. So really ha- happy to welcome you on the show. I appreciate that, man. And I, not to turn it into a whole different topic, but man, Steven and I were just talking about that the other day about like, 
just women who haven't gotten the opportunities that show out once they get them. Like Kayana trailer was one of them that, you know, we were just saying the other day, like she will be back in this league and I'm so excited to see her at some point. Like she is a Hooper's Hooper and Morgan. I just want to, every chance I get, I have to give her her flowers because you know, her and Smith are going to be going crazy all season long together, not fighting for that spot, but just, I feel like, they both sacrifice so much and they're so willing to take whatever kind of opportunity that they're given off the bench or starting. I think, man, we got a beautiful thing with the forwards right now, which was something I was kind of worried about going into the season, but it's turned into a beautiful thing. I couldn't agree more. And I'm just imagining what all of that is going to look like once they get back healthy, because we haven't even seen Isabel Harrison man. in the mix with those two names. In addition to obviously like Rebecca Gardner, who's on the men right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun with the front court, for sure. I'm hoping so. And, like, Morgan should be coming back soon off of that uh, sprained ankle that she had a couple of games ago. But mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned Alana Smith because she was so key in both games mm -hmm. of this weekend series. Had another perfect game on Friday night. Went seven for seven. I believe four for four from the arc. 18 nope. points, which ne nearly a carbon copy of her season opening game at Minnesota. And then there are a lot of clips out there where she was frustrating Brianna Stewart to no end in that game on Sunday. And that came up big in the sky second half comeback. I, I don't want to lose the perspective because mm -hmm. if you think about what happened on Friday, you know, Courtney Williams did her fourth quarter, um, fourth quarter magic that she has been doing all season long, but she wasn't able to get going until the fourth quarter. I think it was three for 17 and she was three or five in the fourth quarter. So if she hits a shot in one of those first three quarters, the sky went by one. If, if Kalia Copper doesn't turn her ankle right before half, the sky went by five or six. So With 18 points at halftime, no less. <laughs> and and then she you know she was one for eight in the second half had a had a mm -hmm. really nice move to get to the rim mm -hmm. to close the game and just couldn't she couldn't draw iron and you could tell she was hurting just because of that injury it was it's tough to come back from that especially for a player uh, as explosive as Cobb but she did not lose any steps as you saw on Sunday she she did Courtney Vandersloot real dirty in that third quarter that was as she should I mean y'all left her I, I mean as she I, should. I, I, you said she dipped, and that's what it Everybody is. Everybody dipped on her. I, every every time they play against Candice or Z or anybody, I know Kai has a chip on her shoulder. It's all love at the end of the day. It's always going to be love. But Steven and I were talking about that. Like, It's always going to be a little side mission, I feel like, when you play against the Liberty or, or the Aces or whoever. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Kai's the biggest dog in the W, in my opinion. And I wouldn't expect none less from her. It's all love, but y'all also chose against me, whether y'all look at it that way or not. So uh, had, check uh, ball, let's work. <laughs> I think I sent it to Steven, Chris. I don't know. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. I had to even cut it. I just didn't even use it. I interviewed uh, Kai in post game um, after Sunday's game, and I was like, you know, like, did you did you talk to Courtney and Stephanie like after the game? And she was, yeah. Just gave me a one word answer. Just said yeah, and I was like, okay, that's okay. Like it's cool. <laughs> It was, it's, I, I'm loving it. That's Ka. That's Ka. Steven, I know she had that clip with you in the one interview. Um, I can't remember the exact question, but I know it was after the Atlanta game. And she had like a text. Ka and James Wade are not interchangeable, mm -hmm. but they will give you those answers, boy. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, that's that's all I needed. Hey, I, I respect it after a loss. I mean, when I lose yeah. games, I'll be the same way. The last thing I'm trying to do is have a full-blown conversation. So I get it, trust me. <laughs> For sure. But that I think that second half in the Sky game, and even, even the first half, what really got me was that in that first quarter, they went down 13 nothing, And New York didn't look like they were clicking on all cylinders. And we're going to talk a little bit about the intricacies of that later in the show, too. But the Sky were getting decent looks. You know, sometimes they were, they were covered. And New York's defense, they have the ability to press you to the perimeter and force you to shoot jumpers, which the Sky did Friday and they did again on Sunday. But they never looked panicked. And I know some of that is coming from the coach and the coaching staff. But it's so much with the team that the mix of the players they had, no Dana Evans on Sunday either, they never looked like they were panicked or out of it. And that showed in the third, in the first quarter where they came back and got us a win in three. Even in the second when New York got their fast break going with Mojo and uh, Brianna Stewart and Courtney, you figure a 19-point lead where you've only scored 19 points, you know, maybe that's what you – you just go into the home stadium of a super team and you take your lumps and then you get out of town. But – the way they turned things up in the second half was – it was it felt like a slow-moving tidal wave. Like, they just kind of washed over that whole building. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, to, what other way – I mean, like, watching Ka go off was one thing. You know, you right. just saw her just like she, – she was basically like a giant in there and everybody else was in shadow – but they still had to work things on the defensive end just to get it. And New York was up by 11 going into the fourth. And then Courtney Williams started bringing, bringing everything, just reeling everything back in. And it's hard for me to say exactly what it is, but the way that Courtney works in the fourth quarter, I had, I really thought of her as a volume scorer when she was in Connecticut. And I know that she wasn't used in the same way there, mm-hmm. but I was telling James K, you can live with the one for six in the first three. If you're doing four for five in the fourth quarter and with three assists and keeping everybody involved. Right. And I think the beauty of it is like, you know, and it's, you know, a, a praise to James Wade and that defense. I think everyone understood this offense was going to be completely different going into this season, but the defense hasn't missed a beat. It's same old, same old, no matter who's on the roster. And it's really, to me, not even just the comeback from 19-point deficit. It's it's Sabrina Unescu being neutralized in back-to-back games, I think is the big one, especially without Dana and Rebecca. I mean, you know, you're small at the guard position as it is, but for them to just continue to just – be pests and to get in the way and to do what they do at the level that they're doing it. I think right now you could say maybe Sabrina just had a couple of rough games because we all know who she's going to be. That's a lady Mamba at the end of the day, no matter what. Um, but I, I do believe in this defense and I do believe in what they're doing and the way they're posting up and the way they're just attacking people at the rim, just especially Sabrina forcing her to take threes the entire game, which she's, she's not bad at taking threes, but you know, it's taking her out from the rest of the game and really making John Quell Jones and others try to have to work harder. It, it was a great thing to see. And I think like, like, you know, Ka and everybody else has reiterated, you know, Courtney being that calm for everybody, I feel like it's such a huge part of that. Yeah, Courtney's the mistress of the mid-range. And even past that, um, I asked Coach Wade about what stood out to him most 
on Friday after the game, uh, where she didn't also didn't have a good shooting game until the fourth quarter, but she had I think seven or eight assists, something around there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she was able to process against a defense that's as active as the New York Liberties defense as a team is, and with the scheme versatility that they have and how they blend coverages together over the course of forty minutes, to where you don't necessarily know what coverage you're going to see whenever you come off of a screen. For her to have been so effective and so efficient with her playmaking. Even with the scoring uh, inefficiency for the majority of those games, the fact that she was so good and such a steady hand with the playmaking uh, just really speaks to where she's at in the space that she's operating in. And um, I mean, in addition to that, uh, you could be over twenty, but if you if you pick your spots appropriately in the fourth quarter and the game was game is within reach as it was in both of those two games, and you show up the way she did to where she's now leading the WNBA in clutch points. I mean, that's all you can ask for right there. I believe she's at 28 points in 22 clutch minutes this season. So on high efficiency, north of 60% from the field. So, yeah, she, she's doing her thing and then some. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way that she's scoring in the fourth quarter. She's taking what would be tough shots, but her manipulation of space uh, to just to get those, those spots open. We talked – uh, last time about that hook pass she made to Dana Evans, um, the way that she manipulated um, a particular screen just to get herself maybe a foot of space and hit a tough mid-range jump shot. Steven, I know you worked up uh, a lot of clips on the 7-7 seven, seven action that the sky had been running and the way that she and Marina can use those screens and just maneuver their way closer to the basket, closer to the basket. And where Courtney excels is that she gets to that spot at the elbow or a little bit extended and then just raises up. But even she had a big three that stretched the lead for them too. And you had Kyle open on the left wing, but it was evident in that moment, the supreme trust, because Kyle was pretty much open and Courtney had a defender close to her, took the shot without hesitation. Once she drained it, they both came back with the signal. They both came back to the bench, chest bump, and it was like you could hear a pin drop in Barclays, and that's not easy. As I've been in there when the Bulls are playing the Nets. When the home team is hot, that's a tough place to play. Yeah, there's a there's a certain conglomerate of WNBA players that have a unparalleled level of confidence, and in that realm might be Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, uh, obviously, like Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart. But Courtney Williams is obviously Clea Copper is right in there as well. But Courtney Williams is right there in the mix with all of those players. No player is more confident than she is in her abilities at any given moment in the game, whether that be as a playmaker, as a defender, or as a scorer. Yeah. Um, so she just a, she's a dog. We talked about it, Chris, in the pre, in the preseason episode when we previewed the season. We got a bunch of dogs on the team, and what do you expect the dogs to do when – Things get tough and games get real greedy and you got to you gotta just muster up your own confidence and muster up your own luck. That's what a dog does. <laughs> For sure. And I, I was checking out Twitter, just watching, you know, Sky Townies and just a bunch of other pages just talk about, you know, DeMar DeRozan got named the king of the fourth quarter and now the queen of the fourth quarter also in Chicago being Courtney Williams. I think, you know, she she's one of those individuals that, you know, you take that title and she's just going to run with it. I never have to worry about Courtney in the fourth quarter. And, and nonetheless, just the entire game, never really truly worried about Courtney Williams figuring it out. But it's really beautiful to see her 
really just take everybody under their wing. I'm loving. I know, Steven, you've seen the same thing, Chris. I don't know if you've been at any games so far at home this year, but the pregame activities with her and Kai just leading the charge, and, and I mean this in the most respectful way because I love high school ball. High school basketball is some of the most fun you'll ever have. It gives you high school basketball Friday night light vibes when they're coming out of the tunnel, just doing their chance, having fun. Last year, it kind of felt like, like this is a business kind of thing. It felt like there was like so much pressure to it. And right now it's, it's not to give them a title of who they are, or who they can't be, but like that 2020 sky team was so much fun because they were winning games. And, and it was like, you know, you know, you're the underdog going into this, even in 2021 before the injuries, like understanding, like this is a team that is going to fight with anybody. And, and I think it's just so much fun to see everybody buying into this team, even after all the off season talk. For sure. That's, that's a great way to put it, man. Like there's losing that championship, not being able to get to the championship round might've been a blessing in disguise because when you, when you're trying to chase the next one, it's been talked about in so many books, interviews, what have you, but to, to win is one thing to repeat is so much more difficult because you got the target on your back um, with the sky team that they had so many veterans who had been doing it for so long. And I think the, I read in a book once, it's like every day is a mountain that's gotta be climbed wearing shoes that feel like they weigh a thousand pounds each. And I'm sure uh, you could you could see it at the end of the season, players were just worn down. And that mm -hmm. third quarter against uh, Connecticut in game five felt like the last big punch that that team had. And then, you know, it was, it at some point, you know, the, the battery blinks out, but you've got, a new a new team here players who haven't who players who have won players who haven't won players who've gotten close and i think that the fun and the hunger is there because a lot of people counted this team down or, or counted them out completely we all know that that number 11 pre preseason power ranking that has gone up by the boards now uh, I do want to talk about some some of the unsung heroes, so to speak, on this Sky team. You know, Robin Parks didn't score on Friday night, but she had some good minutes and then played 20 on Sunday, hit three threes, and talking about shooting that thing with confidence. Robin Parks will get out to the arc, and she'll pull that bad boy with confidence. And mm -hmm. then Alana Smith, like we said at the outset, uh, great, you know, great statistical game uh, Friday, not as good on Sunday, but defended Brianna Stewart for the majority of the time. And until that last second layup, Stewie had 18 points well under her average and was looking extensively frustrated in the second half of the game. Just both you guys, well, those two players, what have you seen that, that makes them key contributors? Well, for me, I, in the preview, we were talking about players we were kind of looking most forward to watching. And for me, it was Morgan Burge and Alana Smith just because I could already see from the preseason the activity levels that they were going to bring in addition to what Elizabeth Williams, Elizabeth Williams as well as Isabel Harrison will bring for this team. So I was just looking at those two in an ancillary role and just seeing, okay, when those two players are off the floor and whatever the rotations are, the fact that the energy levels are going to neutralize, if not add to what was already brought to the table from the starting group, in addition to the versatility that they bring, both of those players can play in the post. Both of them can shoot mid-range jumpers. Both of them can shoot off a slight movement from deep. They can set screens. They can initiate. They can handle off of closeouts. Like, there's nothing. There's literally nothing they can't do. They can make plays off of the dribble. 
And just thinking about all of that and what it's adding to the fold with the rest of what this guy team has, it makes them it makes them deep and it makes them just tough to deal with for 40 complete minutes because there's no drop off in execution of the schemes on either side of the floor or there's no drop off in um, just general energy that they're bringing to the fold. So seeing what Atlanta was able to do this weekend against arguably the best player in the WNBA, if not the second best player at worst, um, and to see the successes that she had both Friday and Sunday, I mean, there's I, I feel like she's just continuing to just stamp her fingerprint on everything that the Sky are doing, and she's really carving out her role. We talked about uh, carving out niches and role definition early in the season, I think on our last pod. Uh, I think she, over the last two weeks since the last time we potted, she's done a whole lot of that, especially um, having a start kind of impromptu with Izzy being out and then Morgan being out in addition to that. For sure. And, you know, I know Steven just covered it on so many better levels than I could have from a basketball perspective. But what fits so well for me for this team is every single one of those individuals you just named are hungry and they want to work. And I think that underdog mentality of I don't care who it is. You know, James Wade talked about it all preseason, drilling it through everybody's head. I just talked to him about it the other day about how we didn't care who New York was or who the Aces were, what anybody else was doing. We're focused on what we're doing right now, Chicago Sky basketball and I think that's one of the most important things when you look at especially for me you know knowing Morgan personally but prior to her signing with the team like knowing what she went through and you know you can obviously read up on that story on her not making the team in Dallas a couple times and her just fighting as hard as she could to get into a WNBA roster what she did over in Australia with the kangaroos and just just obliterating European records. I mean, time and time again, a champion over there, like doing what she did to get here. I mean, just taking advantage of every opportunity, understanding that it's an underdog story. You know, it's the unsung hero all year long. And, you know, they're not going to act like, you know, they're just going to roll over because New York comes in town. And Alana's another individual, you know, Stephen was with me when we talked to her and just understanding, like, I don't care if I start, I don't care if I'm off the bench. I am going to give you everything I have when I'm there. And Robin, I mean, shoot or shoot, baby. Like that's, I mean, she's just like that. And that there's nothing else I could really say. Like she has that dog to her. And I'll go as far as to say, I believe if Robin's on this team last season, we probably go back to the finals because I Ooh. think we, we truly did lack that shooter towards the end of the year. I know Allie was gassed. I know so many other individuals were gassed offensively. Um, but a, an individual like Robin, I, I look now, what happens in that finals? I'm not going to speak on, but you know, I, I definitely think making that appearance, I, I think, it would have been a lot easier to go against Miller and everybody else if she was a part of that team. I can agree with that. And James Wade had that quote and the New York broadcast team was repeating it. They said it once in the first half when New York was up and then they said it again in the second half when Chicago was up. James Wade said, you know, super teams doesn't matter. Any team mm -hmm. one through 12 in this WNBA, if you don't come prepared to play, you're going to get your behind whooped. And, you know, that's a fact. Shout out to our producer, Sarah. I didn't want to violate any FCC regulations there, so I kept it clean. Uh, the chase for the WNBA title is in full swing. While the best in the W battle it out, you can get all of the regular season action. If you're an NBA fan, get all of the NBA finals action right at your fingertips. 
with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the WNBA. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly, plus everyone, all of you, that's right, all of you out there can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day during this NBA playoffs. Simply open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Opt in and place the same game parlay on any NBA game. If your bet loses, we'll give you a bonus bet back in the amount of your initial bet up to up to $10. We'll have our DraftKings sports picks of the week later in the show. But for now, download the app and sign up with code CHGO. Again, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CHGO. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, for Friday's game, I know I had to prepare to go to Montreal, but there was a little mix-up with, um, you know, with, with all that. I wasn't able to get my request in for credentials, but what I should have done and what I didn't do in the moment is reach out in game time and check, look up look up for tickets because, you know, it was a hot ticket, but a Taylor Swift concert, all the things going on. I could have used game time for any of those. It's the most, it's the least stressful ticket purchase app in use today. Love to browse through game time, check out upcoming events. We got the sky versus the fever tonight. So if it's a Tuesday, if you're out on a Tuesday night in Chicago and you're looking for something to do, you want to see one of the premier athletic teams, professional athletic teams in the city, the state, the region, but you don't know where to buy tickets, simply log on to Game Time. It is the place for last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, and images of quality seat views, and it is the lowest price guarantee. There's protection if the event's canceled. If you, if you lose your job and you still want to go, they've got protection for all of that too. So forget planning months in advance. Check out the Game Time app. Snag the tickets without the stress. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code CHGO for $20, $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I'll do the Charles Barkley one. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that actually that was that wasn't bad. I think it was it was pretty good. To be, I thought you had a soundboard on for a second. It's hard to get that that Alabama accent, man. That's, oh man, that's impossible. Real. They got it. Again. He said it's impossible. <laughs> Can't fake that. You cannot fake the funk with that. <laughs> I that Charles Barkley ad with the like hologram young Charles freaks me out. The oh yeah, it's it's got. it's really weird. It's weird. It reminds me it's, of uh, what was when was the LeBron one? It was when LeBron was young, oh, and it was when oh he was my old. God. That was a I commercial. Know what you're talking about because because they did one with Mike too. That that mm -hmm. one where he was with the Wizards, and then he's playing him himself in the gym, and then like North Carolina Mike comes out at the end, mm -hmm. and that looked better than this Charles Barkley one because mm -hmm. it's like I was like that doesn't even look like Chuck. <laughs> Man. Yeah, like the the hologram Tupac. Man, that oh, looked man. better than that. Oh man, that was awful. Man, it's a for effort, I guess. I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> 
Well, big news came down this morning. The Sky Ownership Group is expanding. Um, you know, this has been talked about for a couple of years now. Uh, Laura Ricketts, the uh, one of the scions of the Ricketts family that owns the Chicago Cubs, has been interested in in you know putting in shares with the Chicago Sky. And the day we learned that Laura Ricketts, among others, um, were added in a ten percent group of ownership for the sky valued at $85 million. Uh, the news was broken this morning by Sportico and I want to go over, I want to make sure I go over these uh, other investors because it is very diverse. Um, Foot Locker CEO, Mary Dillon, uh, Lori Desmond, CEO of smartly.io and uh, founder and CEO of private equity firm, Eagle Vista partners. And then also Carrie Sachs board of trustees at the museum of contemporary art, uh, Tina Chen, former president CEO of times up, and then uh, Ann Sampowski Ward is CEO of Curio Brands, and it's it's cool, you know, because so many of these people these people who have come on are local, but I think all of them, almost to a person, are women, which is important not only in the WNBA but for the Sky, uh, because as as it said in the article, it reflects they want to reflect the diversity of the city. So I want to get your thoughts on this because. One of their priorities that they've, they've already stated is that they want to build a practice facility. The Sky, we know practice at Saks up in Deerfield and Seattle and Las Vegas, as well as uh, I believe the, the Liberty as well, have draws for free agents, which include private practice facilities. So outside of just you know the initial money, the additional money, what does this mean for the Sky? I think it's huge. If Steven, if I could go on it, like just working for the Chicago Cubs organization and the Ricketts the last three years, like I have, um, they are so good at putting not only minorities, but women in power and, and really just doing it to the best of their ability. You're not just getting a woman in power because they want a woman in power. They put one who is so amazing at their job that they can run circles around anybody else in you know, guaranteed rate or a bunch of other different facilities. I'm just, I'm just naming places, you know, that's not a shot. Okay. That's, um, that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's you know, fine. It's, it's not a white sock shot. It's just, you know, but um, no, but in all seriousness, man, I mean like putting intelligent individuals in places where you can succeed and help others succeed as well, I feel like is so important. So to understand the business, the way she has and her entire family have, I mean, from the casino to the hotel and everything going on with the Cubs right now. I mean, they have transformed Wrigleyville into what looks like a mini strip in Vegas right now. And that was just within less than a decade. So to be able to have that in the W, I feel like is going to be so beneficial. And it's, it's actually somebody who wants to be a part of this, who has made it adamant that, Hey, maybe I can't be a part of it this year, but can we have the show is beyond the marquee network. Can we show more Chicago sky basketball on the marquee network? She wasn't just into it for the money. I think she genuinely wants to be a part of the WNBA. And I think that's one of the most important things because the three of us right now can sit up here and act like we care about the W, but you know, you can sniff it out if you don't, and you can sniff it out if somebody really doesn't know ball like that ball don't lie at the end of the day. So to see her do what she's done so far, I mean, I'm excited for what this means. I have no idea, you know, what she's thinking about doing or what the ideas that she could do with the Chicago Sky, but I'm excited to just figure that out. Steven, how did it strike you when the news dropped? I think the biggest thing that stood out, and I think all of it was big, but the fact that they mentioned the player experience, marketing and staffing, and then the construction of the practice facility as the three like key focuses. I think the fact that the player experience and 
the construction of the um, practice facility being separated is important because I don't think just adding a practice facility would be enough. There's a lot of other kind of minute things to the normal uh, casual eye that might not necessarily seem like it makes that much sense to your players. But I think that a lot of those little things being nailed in the same comparison to like the Seattle Storm have mentioned that they have their things set up as well as the most obvious one now being the Las Vegas Aces with the, their franchises nailing a lot of the little things and ingratiating their players consistently. I think that's that takes paramount over a lot of other things uh, that may have been relevant in um, eras past in terms of uh, appeasing professional athletes, uh, specifically on the women's side of things. Um, a lot of those things are kind of evolving, and you have to either you either adapt or die, essentially, um, in the business of doing anything with athletes. And I think the fact that they're obviously taking an initiative to uh, changing those things and making them for the better, it speaks to where they're like kind of where the wheel is spinning for their evolution. And I think they're making great steps towards doing just that. But it's a lot. It's good to hear it. It's another thing to see the execution. Um, so now that's the next step. First thing is to take notice, and the next thing is to take action. So time to start seeing the action start building up little by little. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to mention the Bulls in terms of this, but we've seen teams share practice facilities, and typically that's because teams share owners, but you want to see them get this right. And I think a big deal with it, which also ties into players' experience, is to be able to have the practice facilities in the city, there was so much talk over the off season when we were talking about this period about, you know, players having to go to Deerfield, players having to live out in the burbs and then drive into the city, um, you know, deal with all that just to get to wind trust. And there's so much that could be done by having practice facilities. If not, you know, honestly, I'm going to say there's so much space on the South side that this would also help the team where you can put up a practice facility in a, in a specific neighborhood, whether it's Southeast or like just near Southwest mm. and then make it easier for players to get from the facility to win trust for games. The execution absolutely has to be spot on, but there's so much opportunity for them to get this right. I think that's the important thing. There's so much opportunity for them to get this right that it almost, you know, it really magnifies if it does, if, if they do somehow get it wrong. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Yeah, good one for me, too, that I was just thinking about. I know Steven's probably played out there a few times just playing flag and stuff. But, you know, Rosemont has so many other opportunities. Like the fact that we were going to Deerfield um, it is just like, you know, you, you really got to like go out of your way to find a basketball court going to Deerfield. There's so many different facilities. I feel like you, I'd rather go to the YMCA myself than go all the way out to Deerfield. Um, man, like, what are we, what are we doing? The only thing I know about Deerfield is the drag races on weekends. Like that's, that's it. Other than that, there's nothing going on out there. It's, it's no disrespect. If you're listening from Deerfield, we love you, but it's, no, that's it. those are Deerfield bars. Those are yeah, Deerfield bars, bro. I mean, come on, like having a facility all the way out and then I'm going to Wintrust Arena, like make it make sense. You know, like the math ain't mathing. And that's something that really just frustrated me. Um, and I know it probably frustrated the hell out of them, especially, you know, 
let's talk August, let's talk September, you know, you're tired, you're going through the season, you're coming back from New York. I mean, Chris ain't trying to go to Deerfield after getting off a, off a Montreal flight. Like that's just, it is what it is. So I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think again, just continuing to reiterate the simplest thing, but it's one of the most important is people who care. And I think even just having these conversations this early on just shows, I think they got it right. I think, Candace has spoken multiple times since her exodus about a lot of these little things kind of adding up to her decision to not just choose the Las Vegas Aces, but to also not come back home. Mm -hmm. Like you would think that having the draw of being back home and, you know, all the stuff that comes with that would keep you back in your hometown, even with a team that might have more flashy things. But, you know, for a woman at the stage of her career, like she's mentioned verbatim, a lot of those little things really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having at least the initiative and, and thought, um, looking for something to execute upon that aligns with that, kind of just learning from your lessons of what you kind of lost, that's all you can do at this point. So like I said, I applaud the the thoughts and everything in theory, but now it's time to see the action because as with a lot of things with the W, we hear a lot of things being said about what could be done, what should be done, but the execution is not – as it should be in a lot of those instances. So, I mean, this is the new ownership group with a lot of these new pieces coming into the mix. So, obviously, they're giving a blank slate to approve what they can do and how thorough their execution is and how timely is their execution. Uh, but they're definitely on the clock. Yeah, that's, 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 that's key. I think, like you said, Stephen, learning from your mistakes is, is key, not just for this organization, but for all of us as people. You know, sometimes the things happen and you can't stop it, but the best thing you can do is is learn from it and better yourself because of it. And this practice facility is something that not just the sky, but so many other teams should do. Atlanta has done a lot in terms of marketing their team, um, changing ownership and committing to not just winning, but being a good presence in the city. Very important in Atlanta to be a presence in the city rather than you know organizations like the Braves who have moved further out into the ring suburbs, but they still practice at a public facility and you would love to see the Atlanta dream get a private facility as well. I'm not a business mind and I know we're not necessarily like four, first and foremost business minds, but with that $85 million uh, valuation, I think they said it's uh, the 10% of that 8.5 would mm-hmm. be going towards uh, the practice with, you know, their first mm-hmm. state of goal practice facility. But Steven, like we talked about on the first show, marketing, marketing, the team has to be key too. Yep. That's that's not as important as obviously the amenities and um, treating the players who are the most important product to the franchise as they should be. So it's not going to take Paramount over that. But I think as a secondary, um, if you have a B to your top A priority, I think it's definitely the marketing and kind of in the in alignment with the marketing is that reach to the community because that that's extremely important as well. How do you um, how do you treat the game and how do you kind of portray the game and give it to little kids as something that they can have as a part of their uh, experience as a child. Uh, like we've heard a lot of young women speak to uh, the impact that the Chicago staff had on their uh, childhood and how they want to raise their kids to, in a similar way, be aware of women's basketball and it, just women's sports in general. I think there's no better way than to have, uh, especially in one of the biggest markets in the country and in the world, having a women's professional sports team, the likes of the Chicago sky, 
in your backyard that you can obviously watch on TV. Accessibility matters, so they're starting to check off that box. But also being able to get that in-person experience, which can be, which is, is is invaluable, honestly. So to see them ingratiate themselves with the community more, and not just the suburbs, not just the suburbs, but reach into the inner city and reach into the outskirts of the city, the parts that seem to always be forgotten when it comes to reaching towards adolescence and doing things with kids. Kind of Xing out that that little adage or whatever it is that keeps people from doing that as if they're not a part of the community as a whole of mm-hmm. Chicago. And making that reach is going to be extremely important. So I'm really putting a microscope on the execution and the manners in which they go about executing these plans of theirs uh, moving forward. Everything sounds good, but let's see how on their P's and Q's they truly are when it comes to doing these things and doing them the right way. And I think you you hit on that especially because it's one of those things where, you know, the the company can care so much, but do the people that are really getting face care? And I think when you have individuals like obviously last year we had Azurae Stevens on the team and she was so big on mental health. Rebecca Gardner is huge on mental health. Dana Evans gives back to the community more than anybody I've seen publicly. Um, and, I, and I say publicly because a lot of people do things in private. So I'm not going to speak on anybody, you know, but um, me, myself, you know, coaching baseball and high school baseball for as long as I have. I love seeing individuals who, you know, obviously you have your goals and your priorities and, and ball is always going to come first. But to recognize the South side, to recognize the West side, to recognize the places that, you know, when you look at the Chicago Cubs or you look at a bunch of different places, you're really only talking about Chicago for the North side. When you look at it from a media perspective in positive light, everything is always negative when you go out West or you go out South and for them to bring light to those places and show that, you know, it's not what you just hear in the media. There are so many great communities. There are so many good leaders throughout the communities and kids who just want to have a chance to, to really give them those opportunities and to not only have the players behind that, but a, a franchise and an organization who owners from top to bottom believe in that as well. I feel like that's kind of like you said, Stephen, is like that's when you start to see movement because, I mean, you can have the car keys. If you don't have the car, that's going to be an issue. You know what I mean? You can have a Ferrari, but again, if you got the keys to my 2002 Hyundai Elantra, you're not going nowhere. So, I mean, that's, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, like they're putting a forefront together to really make a difference far more than women's basketball. And I think that's becoming the beauty of it right now. Shout out to the 0200 Elantra though, man. That's a car. Oh man. That's that's Tony two tones. The hood's a different color than the rest of it, but it don't matter. You know, like (laughs) he he gets there. That's all that matters. That's true. (laughs) It's got to get you there. (laughs) We got uh, we got some very cool things going on around the league. We talked about um, the Liberty and not not struggles, so to speak, but they were a, a Brianna Stewart clutch basket away from losing both of these games uh, Friday and Sunday. And one of the reasons, like John Quell Jones, just does not seem to have worked her way into this offense. And I I say that because I want to highlight the fact that. John Quill Jones is a former MVP, multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA. But for her to be averaging nine points and four rebounds while still shooting a high percentage, she's shooting two threes a game and making one of them, it's really telling to me that the Liberty haven't figured things out because they have not figured out how to work her into the offense. Uh, Steven, I mean, both of you guys, I know you know the game, but Steven, I want to start with you because I feel like you've had some eyes on this. 
what do the Liberty need to do to get her involved? How do you get her involved and make your team better the way it should be? Well, I think this is a part of the learning curve and the lumps that come with when you're trying to mesh together so many star talents. You are, there's only one basketball. So it's like, what can you do outside of when you have the ball in your hands that is going to help to keep the ship afloat? So for John Quill, she's not just an elite scorer and she's not just a very good playmaking uh, for, uh, front court piece. She's also an excellent screener. And wherever she is on the floor, if she's even near the ball, it's going to have players on high alert and it's going to attract the attention of two. Um, and a lot of times with the Chicago Sky, uh, especially if you look early in the first quarter of uh, of the game for Friday, John Quill was the one that that got the that started the fire for the uh, for the New York Liberty. It was her screening, and she's a when she decides to, which she clearly there's an emphasis on it with this New York Liberty team. She's not cutting any corners with her screening. She's on time. She has great pace when she's getting into her role, and the fact that she is who she is. Her roles generate so much attention from the rest of the defense. It's almost like a vacuum. So when she sets a screen, let's say it's for Courtney Vandersloot or Sabrina Inescu, obviously they're going to attract attention in and of themselves because of the weapons that they are. But if you add to that the fact that you have this, this elite basketball player that's rolling down the middle of your court defensively, it's going to be like a vacuum. It's going to suck in attention from the second side. And that allows for advantages to be created from the offense with the otherworldly playmakers that the New York Liberty have in their uh, in their backcourt between again Courtney Vandersloot and Sabrina Ionescu, so they saw uh, we saw the Sky struggle with guarding her roles specifically early in that first quarter. I think she scored like six of the first ten points or whatever for for the New York Liberty, and it was all off of just simple pick and roll. And that just speaks to like that's the most simple uh, basketball action in terms of everybody understanding how it works, but it gets complex when you start thinking about, okay, who's screening and who's on the ball. And when you add those dynamics and those synergies together, you start getting a lot of questions and a lot of decisions that have to be made that are going to always have uh, a residual uh, impact and effect on what the outcome of any given play is going to be. So John Quill is kind of still finding her way. I don't think she's a hundred percent yet either. Uh, I know she has some kind of nagging injuries that she was getting over over the offseason. And I think there might be some lingering effects from those that kind of sees why she hasn't been as aggressive or as as used as highly as she might be uh, later on in the season in the now. Nonetheless, I do think it's kind of a mixture of both of those things. And uh, I mean, what a good problem to have to where you got to complain about John Cole Jones not being healthy, but then you got Brianna Stewart going for 45 points. Mm-hmm. And then you got Courtney Vandersloot getting it going. You still got Sabrina Ionescu. You just got Marine Johannes back for the first two games of the season. You got Kayla Thorne coming off the bench, but Nigel Laney. Like, what, what a great problem to have that you're going to complain about that, but then you have all these other weapons, you know? So I think it's just a slow ingratiation for them with their talents. They're going to get there, obviously, eventually, but in the now it just kind of looks a little bit clumpy as they're kind of working and ironing out the kinks. No, yeah, and Chris and I, you, you and I were talking about it backstage before this even started. I mean, I think there's always going to be somebody that takes that step back on a, on a super team-esque, you know, organization and just team standpoint. You know, somebody's going to be doing that. And the thing is about this New York team, I think it's going to be a revolving door. I don't think, like, I'm not going to sit up here and say, you know, that it's going to be John Quell all season. I think it's going to be rotating. There's going to be nights Salute offensively isn't there. There's going to be night that, you know, Sabrina, the other night, we saw her throughout the last two games against the Sky, wasn't really carrying the weight that Sabrina normally carries. And I 
think that's something you're starting to notice throughout these teams and especially through Sandy's lens of it is, you know, you have so many people that, you know, you can create an entire scheme based off of. So right now is I feel like the first couple months, you're really just going to be kicking it, winning your games because you know that you can trust these women to do that and really figuring out what the identity of this team is going to be come playoffs. I don't think this team cares about the regular season, and I'm not speaking for them saying they don't care. I'm just saying I think the end goal is by the end of this season, we want to have that chemistry. We want to be able to have that ability to trust one another and understand what's going to work best to go against other teams that are potentially going to have their number. And I think that's really the beauty of it right now is, and we, we joked about it saying like it's a Chris Bosch type role when he was on Miami. Um, and I love the D way Jersey, by the way, I had to give some love. Um, <laughs> but it, it's definitely something to where, you know, Chris Bosch wasn't a scrub on Miami. Chris Bosch understood his role. So if John Quell wants to put up nine points per game that's completely fine to me but where I would like to see her continue to grow is from a rebounding perspective and that goes into what Steven's saying with the nagging injuries like how well do those legs feel how well does your body feel to be able to do that when you have Brianna right next to you and you have Han who's on the bench who's seven feet tall and let's not forget Master Chief is there I mean Dolson's doing her thing as well so you know I, I really just want to continue to reiterate because I've seen her people going crazy on her on Twitter um, she's going to be just fine. And, and I think the beauty of this organization putting the roster that they put together is it's okay if she's not too. Like, I think they can still compete, even if John Quell Jones doesn't figure it out, but I think she will. Um, but yeah, they're going to be in a very good place for a very long time. And I, I love Sandy as a coach. I thought her hire in New York was really, really solid. And I think it showed just in the fact that she brought the roster that they had last year, which, you know, wasn't the best roster in the league, but was fairly solid. And we saw Sabrina really take off and kind of embody what she had been expected to be coming out of Oregon uh, midway and late in the season. But when you bring in it just it feels a lot to me, like I said, in that same backstage when we were talking about it. It feels like where she was with Connecticut last year, where it seemed like in an offense that should be built around her, at times she was invisible. And right. that, you know, is not to not to be detrimental at all to Bree Jones or Alyssa Thomas. But when you have a player like John Quill Jones on your roster, even with Brianna Stewart, like you take you dedicate some portion of the game where it's like we're running through John Quell right now. Even, even if Brianna's on the floor, like you can, you, she's a, she's such a utility player. She doesn't have to be a focal point to succeed, but you get John Quell some touches. And I feel like it's, it's more something where Sandy, you know, has to maneuver and create for that player so that they can, you know, because we saw it in Connecticut. It, it didn't really work for John Quell late in the season because of what I think what happened and what was established early on in the season. And I, I, she's Carib she Caribbean, man. Like I want her to be, I want her to be, I want her to be up there. Jamaican and Bahama, we got to, that West Indians connection got to work together. Come on. hundred percent. And you know what too? Like I, I do want to point this out because I, I love Sandy. I love Sandy, the person I love Sandy as a coach. Like she's an amazing individual. Um, but at this very moment, I think it's too much for her. And I don't think it's too much for her specifically. I think for any coach to get that roster and to try to 
from game one without any real chemistry, without any real in-game play in a regular season to just expect things to work the way they do in an effortless way. Like when you're coaching the Phoenix Mercury and you have obviously the X Factor and BG and DT doing their thing, it's that Kobe Shaq mentality where it's like we understand that we're running the offense through them. But to Steven's point, when you have arguably three of the top five to ten players in the WNBA and in the world on one team, it's it's a lot to handle. So I think Sandy Sandy's one of the best coaches in this league. I truly do believe that. She's one of the most intelligent women in the game. Um, and I definitely do think she's going to figure it out. But it's a tall order to ask, you know, just coming out the gates, just understanding this is what we're going to do and this is the way we're running this system. I think it's a beautiful thing for her to be able to say we can spend the entire year and not to say they are going to do this, but, you know, let's say we're going to run an offense like this through May, an offense like this and a scheme like this through June. And we're going to see what's best for us as a unit. Cause when you're that good of a roster, you have the luxury to be able to do that. Not everybody's going to be gritty like the Chicago sky and be able to pull it out, even with an eight rotation. You know what I mean? So I think she definitely has the time to be able to do this. And I think it's, it's going to come together. Yeah. It'll come together. It's just going to take a little bit of time, but I mean, if you didn't think this was expected, I think right. <laughs> you went about this mentally the wrong way. You had the wrong expectations attached to it. And, Chris, we talked about it again. We keep going back to the preseason show, uh, talking about the rankings and the power rankings and all of that stuff. I remember I kept mentioning I thought Vegas would be at the top of everything, and I thought there was room for a team like the Mystics or the Chicago Sky or the Connecticut Sun uh, that could potentially find themselves – in that two, three, and four spot. And we might see the New York Liberty finishing towards the end of the playoff spectrum. Not because of a, uh ineptitude or lack of talent in any capacity, but more so because of the natural ingratiating that's going to take place. And there's going to be a lot of lumps that come with that as well. And you add to that the fact that a lot of their pieces weren't healthy. And then uh, obviously Marine Johannes didn't get any time spent with the team in training camp that's going to slow down the process that much more because that's yet another integral piece that hasn't had any chemistry. She barely dribbled a ball with her teammates before the first game that she was able to play with them on Friday. So it's like all those little things kind of add up to slowing down your process as a team in terms of ingratiating the pieces together. And, you know, we're kind of living in that moment in the now. I'm not even the slightest bit worried about them. However, their defense is popping. And I think more than anything, their offense is going to come in and of itself just because of the skills that they have to compile. The defensive side is what they needed to figure out. And, I mean, you could talk about John Coyle's usage offensively, but defensively she's been solid this season already. Mentioned the scheme versatility between her and uh, Brianna Stewart. I don't think there's a front court in the W outside of Las Vegas that can truly match what they have potential-wise in terms of the havoc that they can wreak defensively. And, again, if you're doing that and you have the offensive firepower that they have, especially playing in transition off of your defense, a lot of teams are not going to be able to keep up with you on a nightly basis. No, that New York fast break is deadly. Like we saw that there was, there was little to no problem getting John Quell out ahead of the field on the fast break. If you have Maureen Johannes and or Courtney Vandersoot on the floor at the same time, just hit ahead. It was like, it was like 94 mm-hmm. and Pat Riley was still in New York. Yeah. Hit ahead, hit ahead, hit ahead, hit ahead. Yep. Yeah. So 100%. there's definitely some danger. You know, some of it, I'll, I'll fully admit that some of it's personal. Like I said, I love John mm-hmm. Quell since I started covering the league when I saw her rise in Connecticut. So I want her to be MVP, John Quell. 
uh, every single year because you don't want to lose out on a player's prime like that. But right. it's a good point to be made that there's some time left in the season for them to figure it out. Um, just around the league with uh, Jewel Lloyd putting up numbers, numbers in Seattle, which I figured she was going to have to do either way because she is the – I called her the engine, the ballast, the sail, the rudder. She's everything on the ship right now. If – I'll ask you this question. If Seattle gets close to the eighth spot, does Jewel Lloyd win MVP? Does she get – you know, uh, does she's like number two for MVP? I, I would figure that she gets MVP votes if she keeps this up. But where would you put her in, that, in those ranks? If we get to the end of the season – and Seattle is around that 20-game mark. Yeah, I'll make mine really short because I know Steven's going to kill this. But uh, I think she's second behind Kalia Copper no matter what. So uh, I got Copper MVP. And uh, you want to talk about the engine. I mean, what Kalia is doing, especially with the power rankings that came throughout this season being 11th, um, I do want to give my flowers to her, though, because – I mean, just like Ka, I mean, she, everyone left, you know, Sue retires, Brianna leaves, like you're, you're kind of just, you look around and you're like, where'd my dogs go? You know? And it's like, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So to get back out there and to act like you're not even missing a beat has been phenomenal. So in all seriousness to the Ka joke, um, which isn't a joke, but it's a joke, but um, it, I definitely do believe she will be in that conversation. I do believe BG will also be in that conversation because once sure. other individuals on the Mercury get back, I think they're going to be a, a really tall order when you have to play against them come July, come August. But, um, man, she's just doing her thing right now, and I couldn't be happier for her. Yeah, Jewel is, and I mean this with the most capital of capitals, a capital B bucket. She can <laughs> score from anywhere on the floor, whenever she wants to, however she wants to. And now with Stewie leaving and obviously Super retiring, and even with Gabby Williams not returning for prioritization and everything, right? She has the ultra luminescent green light. I think the two players that have that in their respective situations are her and Enrique Ongubawale. And the fact that Jewel is just such a multifaceted capital B bucket, and she's been presented with this opportunity now with this team. She's gonna run away with it. I don't think she'll be uh she'll be a factor in the MVP race, but I don't think she'll be one of the most prime of candidates. Only because if we look at the recent history with the W, which I think is appropriate, and I feel like the men's side of things should definitely start taking this into account too. There's another side of the basketball, and that's not to say that Jewel is a slouch, but you look at the players like John Quill Jones, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, Kalia Copper. Like the names that we're talking about that are consistently in the MVP race or will Top eventually be defender. a consistent, yeah, they're two way, they're two way elite talents. And Jewel's no slouch again defensively, but she's not an elite talent on that side of the ball. And I think over time, obviously they're gonna lose games just because of the lack of talent that they have in comparison to other teams. And obviously the pieces, like I mentioned with Gabby, that are not there right now. Uh, so they're going to kind of set themselves up to be a low-end play, playoff team if they make it at all. I think the win and the win-loss total is going to work against her at some point. But I think that two-way impact is also going to work against her at some point as well. Uh, and I mentioned – I didn't even mention uh, Alyssa Thomas in that mix for the MVP race as well because mm-hmm. as with every season, she's going to be right there in the mix with that as well. Again, because of everything she does on a two-way, on a two-way spectrum. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's just kind of my two cents on it. But that's not to be a slight at Jewel in any capacity. Right. Uh, I think she went to Niles West, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. she's a uh, she's another Chicago kid uh, doing her thing on the grandest of stages. And she's she's gonna be an all star. She might she might just go and win the all star MVP this season. Uh, the type of season that she's gonna have. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. She'll definitely be on probably the first team for all WNBA as well. And all of that will be deserving, but I don't think she'll be an MVP candidate because of the other side of the court and the win-loss total working against her. For sure. And that's where I was coming from. Like, you you, you both make a good point. Like, the WMVPs have always been uh, as far back as I can really think since I was coming in the league in 2015. You were even Elena Deladon, she made an impact on the defensive side of the basketball too, just either mm-hmm. as a help defender or a straight-up rim protector. And it's tough, especially this year, for Seattle that's going to lose games to ask your shooting guard to be an elite defensive player while also putting up the getting the majority of the usage rate, putting up the majority of the shots. Like she's taking and playing more minutes, playing more minutes than she ever has, taking more shots than she ever has, which is why it's so mind boggling that on nine attempts per game from three, she's hitting four of them. Like, I know everybody says, like, you're hitting this much percentage on this many attempts per game. That's easy to say. 44% on nine attempts, she's hitting four threes a night. And then still hitting at least five twos and getting to the foul line, shooting 80%. I think the most striking stat that I saw is that she's averaging the same number of assists she did last year without having, you know, the same caliber of point guard. Even in her final year, Sue Bird was still a top-quality point guard in terms of just distribution. So you're asking the, you're asking your shooting guard to move the ball around, still score and score efficiently, and she's she's pretty much been doing that. So it's it's hard to maintain 37 minutes a game for a 40 game season, but you know there is a part of me that wants to see Jewel Lloyd get some like first or second place MVP votes and keep this up all year long because I love seeing when. It reminds me of, um, was it that 1972 stat for Steve Carlton where the mm-hmm. Phillies won 59 games and he was like 32 and five right. and was the Cy Young. So she, if she could be that kind of player, impact player for them, it would at least be something for Seattle to hang their hat on right. in what would be a probably an otherwise forget, forgettable season. For me, it kind of reminds me, and it, this is in no way, shape or form by position or what they bring, but I remember when Jokic was averaging a triple-double with 10-plus assists per game when Jamal and obviously Michael Porter Jr. weren't in the game, when they weren't healthy, and it was just him and Aaron Gordon and company. You know, I kind of look at yourself going into the 2023 season, and you go, well, with Jamal back and with MPJ back, that's probably going to decrease. And for him to duplicate that and still have those numbers, and you're like, okay, this guy is the truth. And you're starting to see the same thing with Jewel is like, man, it doesn't matter who you put around her. Like, she is going to get people the basketball and put them in the best position to succeed. For sure. I think one last thing with Jewel, it's one thing if you're knocking down four of nine and a lot of that is catch and shoot. Mm -hmm. No, she's – a lot of her shots are coming off the dribble. I think she may be taking one catch and shoot opportunity a game. Nobody's really setting the table for her. She's setting the table for herself and for everybody else. So the fact that she's knocking down almost 45% of her threes – on nine attempts a game and she's self-creating all of that. That is like, again, I keep saying capital B that's capital B and the B is bold. <laughs> she's just that, she is that good, man. She's an excellent scorer and she does what she does as well as anybody else in her position. Um, 
And, yeah, she's just a special talent. So I'm looking forward to seeing what heights she can reach in this season. It's going to be a great opportunity for her to showcase her ability to work out. And I'm going to have fun just kind of analyzing it and just enjoying it as a fan even more. I was going to talk about in our last segment, you know, which more surprising team uh, for you between the Dallas Wings and the Indiana Fever. But with the game tonight, I want to spotlight the Indiana Fever. Steven, you already mentioned on Twitter that you're excited, incredibly excited to see Aaliyah Boston play uh, in person for the first time. Uh, Mike, I know I want this rivalry to build up and Indiana's got a lot of choices to make over this season and the next Mm -hmm. in terms of, They've, they've got their core player, you would figure, and they have some pieces that are starting to develop around her. But we saw Emily Angsler get waived. We saw Destiny Henderson get waived. So, uh, you know, owing to the, just to the fluid nature of the WNBA, fluid being the nice way to put it. But what are you looking forward to for tonight's game? So, unfortunately, I'm an idiot, and I forgot to put in my credentials 24 no, hours No, we can't do this. We can't do this. Man, I... Man, I'm so, I, I did it, Steven. I did it at eight. The game's at seven. They said I, I missed it by an hour. I was so – and you know what, though? In my defense, I was playing CHGO softball, so I don't want to hear it. But I, I was working for the team, all right? I was doing stuff. But, Steven, I can't wait to see your coverage tonight, bro. Like, seeing her in person is probably going to be an amazing experience. And I think to, to answer your question on that and really just understanding, you know, that – you have the face of your franchise. And and that's, I mean, unless they get the number one overall pick this year somehow and end up with Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese or whoever that may be, um, because there's so many conversations on next year's draft and who goes number one. Um, But looking at that and understanding, like, we, being Indiana, actually has a system in play right now to where, you know, you have your franchise player, now build around it, you know, build a scheme around it for her so that, you know, whether she's here or not, this is exactly what we're running because she is the focal point of this team. And I think it's going to be so much fun. Uh, The battle between her and obviously Elizabeth Williams is going to be electric tonight. I mean, come on, Elizabeth Williams. We we don't even have to talk about it. Like the stats might not show it, but man, one of the most intelligent individuals in the entire game. She is a menace to society, to anybody who's trying to be a true bucket getter. Um, She is going to get in your way. And and I think it's going to be a beautiful matchup. I think it's going to be a great night. Um, And like you said, man, like really just bringing back that rivalry, that Midwest rivalry. We're so close, yet we never talk about each other. Um, It's kind of just like your cousin. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of acknowledge him, wave hi at the dinner table, and that's it. But, you know, I think once this team starts to really start putting together some good wins and watching them almost beat the Las Vegas Aces the other night was one of the most exciting things for me. And it was a slow night for Candace. And I think obviously, just like we talked about with New York, it's going to come in time. Um, but it's definitely going to be exciting to see them fight and, and just to see them continue to go like the distance. I mean, we're looking at the DraftKings logo right now. If you're going to put money on the sky tonight, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say don't, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's uh it could go either way. If you want to go plus on it, I, I'm, I wouldn't hate it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's so many different outcomes of this game. I don't really know what style to dictate of how this game's going to go. I just think it's going to be a dog fight. I wouldn't be surprised. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. We watched Indiana push Las Vegas to the brink a couple of days ago, and they were probably one or two good possessions away from from winning that game. And this is a Las Vegas team that's averaging the best plus minus in the league and is still 6-0 after those wins. And to see Indiana 
just put themselves firmly in the mix of not only, you know, pushing them, but winning that game, stealing a game from the reigning and reigning champions, presumptive, you know, repeat champions. Hell yeah. Like I can't say it any better than that. I like what you said um, because that, you know, that leads us into our final segment, the DraftKings picks of the week. We got to give you two picks since we're every other week show. Mike, that's bold though. I will say that because I looked on oh, hey, this. I, I want it on record. I ain't picking them. I'm just saying, <laughs> if y'all want to pick them, by all means, you know, do you. Not I'm disclaimer. not going to tell you how to play with your money. but <laughs> He said not the disclaimer. Not I, but hey. Uh, there there were a couple good money lines. Uh, originally, I was looking at, you know, if Aaliyah, what her, what the line was over under, and it was over under 5.5 rebounds, which the over is, is not going to pay out a whole lot on that, which you would expect. But I mean, if you go to the money line, if my phone would, you know, move with some, with some speed, the money line right now, the fever are plus 220 underdogs. It's at, at home to the Sky team with Dana Evans back. That's a stretch even for me. It's I will be straight line. up about that. But one pick I do like in a matchup of the two best teams record-wise tonight, the Aces and the Sun, the Sun are 210 underdogs at home on the money line. And as good as the Aces are, that might be a sleeper pick to make some money. Yeah, I think that's a that's going to be a very interesting game right there. Um, obviously, the Aces are no slouch, but like we continue to talk about, Connecticut is no joke either. And uh, there's no team that's more gritty than them. I think the Sky are equally as gritty, but there's no team that's more gritty than Connecticut. And that's, again, no no different than the Sky looking at Kalia. That starts with Alyssa Thomas and trickles down the rest of their roster. So I think they're going to put up a more than formidable fight. And that's in uh, that's in Connecticut, correct? Right, that's in Connecticut. Uh, that makes it even more interesting. And then you add the fact that this is a rematch of the finals from last season. There's obviously going to be a chip on their shoulder. Uh, Alyssa Thomas wakes up with two chips on her shoulders as it is. So you add the fact that there's a historical context to it all in addition to everything else. All these little things add up to making fights interesting, and I think that's an interesting matchup right there. Yeah, you know, Connecticut's whole brand is disrespect, literally the hashtag that has been often emulated and never quite duplicated, but <laughs> I, I, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's a little like, yeah, you know, we've heard it. We've heard it before. But I will, for, I will say that I picked the Sun to be a bottom half team. And they have so far proven me wrong. And even if you're playing at home to beat the Aces the way that they've been playing so far this season, it would turn a lot of heads. Mm -hmm. It would absolutely turn a lot of heads. Yeah, especially with them having not lost the game yet in addition to all of that. <laughs> no doubt. Um, there was, I think the other one out there was, was Aaliyah Boston for uh, under, over or under 10 and a half. And with the even with the you know Elizabeth Williams and Alana Smith with the depleted oh, oh the line switched okay now it's over under fourteen and a half for Aaliyah Boston the the under fourteen and a half actually you know what I'm gonna go with that because that's minus one hundred and five so you get a little bit more for your money there and I definitely trust that front line to make her work hard um, mm -hmm. Robin Parks included so Aaliyah Boston under fourteen and a half pay minus one hundred and five. 
and the Sun at home versus the Aces, plus 210 underdogs. Again, the DraftKings Sportsbook, proud sponsor of the show and of CHGO Sports. Use the code CHGO for $20 off when you sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to thank my guest today, Mike Hughes, Mike on the mic. Sincerely, follow him on YouTube. Follow the All Sports, All Play Network. Um, Mike, so much good insight from you today. You're already with CHGO, so we're going to see you more again this season. Uh, Again, thank you for coming on the show, man. It was brilliant. Man, it was a blessing, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. And uh, anytime you guys need me, you know, I'm in there like swimwear, baby. Steven knows I'm always around. <laughs> we had a shout out for you, man. Um, I don't know if the, is this current. You coach ba- you coach basketball at Walter Payton or somebody wants you to coach basketball at Walter Payton? You talking about me? Yeah, we had a oh, shout no, out. No, no, like- I'm, I'm a baseball coach at heart. I'm a baseball coach at heart. Um, I'm coaching all baseball right now uh, for kids all over the place. It's T-ball season, and people might not take that seriously unless it's one of your kids on the mound. Uh, then they're always yelling at me. But, um, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's summertime shy, so I'm just with the with the T-ball kids doing the thing. Um, high school baseball, that'll probably roll around around next February. So until then, Coach Mike is uh, just CHGO softball for now. That's all we're rocking with. Well, we have the shout-out for you, man, in case you want to switch careers from King Pookie Nation, like Coach Basketball at Walter Payton. So you might want to think about it. Man, you know you know what my thing is? I'm 5'8", and I've told Steven this before. I will not yell at a man taller than me. I think that's, <laughs> that's very key to me, especially when he's 16, 17 years old. I don't think I could do it. Like, who am I? You know, like. <laughs> Bro, don't don't let those don't let those overgrown high schoolers intimidate you, man. They just keep getting taller every year. I swear. Man, it's something in the water, man. I'm telling you. It's a bug out. Uh Steven Garner, again, the best X's and nose man that I've had pleasure to work with. This side, east side, west side of the Mississippi. As always, you're gonna see him on the show at least one time a month. But Steven, enjoy the game tonight. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. All right, likewise. I appreciate y'all. Great conversations. Follow the gentleman at the at the uh, Twitter handles you see on the screen. I am at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. As always, check out the CHGO Sky Show and follow CHGO Sports on Twitter. For our producer, Sarah Fichter, for the entire CHGO Sports family, this has been the CHGO Sky Show, and we'll see you next week and out there in the virtual world.